Hey, it's Michael, and welcome to another podcast episode. Before I get into today's episode, we wanted to make an offer to you. If you go to firmsconsulting.com, you will see a pop-up or you'll see a place to add in your email address or you can register on the Firms Consulting website. If you register onto that website, you get put into an exclusive list. And what you get in that exclusive list is samples of the content we have available to FC Insiders. So that said, I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello, everyone. This is Chris Saparova. Welcome to another great episode of the Strategy Skills Podcast. Our podcast sponsor today is strategytraining.com. If you want to strengthen your strategy skills, get the overall approach Houston Well Managed Strategy Studies. It is a free download, one page we prepared for you. You can get it on firmsconsulting.com forward slash overall approach. And Firms Consulting is F-I-R-M-S Consulting. So today we have with us Talia Fox, a Harvard fellow and author of The Power of Conscious Connection. Talia has extensive background in psychology and education, and she helps organizations like the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, Harvard University, and the U.S. Department of Defense. Welcome, Talia. Thank you for having me, Chris. I'm so excited to be here. I love talking about strategy and skills. Talia, so let's start with, maybe you could briefly share with us the journey that led you to working with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission at Harvard University and the U.S. Department of Defense and so on. Yeah, so my journey was a little bit unusual. I I actually started out as a counseling psychologist. I was actually working with communities um, in Washington, D.C., and I went to Howard University and studied the mind. And it was there that I got a front row seat into how the decisions of leaders and the approaches of leaders can affect real people. So I got to look into children's eyes that were sick, that needed resources. And then I got to sit in a boardroom and see how these decisions were impacting lives. And so from there, I actually started doing keynote speaking events just from a pure desire to help around how we can be more connected and more aware of how our choices and how our decisions impact outcomes. So from that, one thing led to another, and I had big companies that were asking for me to do things. And I started a company called Kusai Global. Inc. And this company basically has a mission to transform humanity one leader at a time, teaching skills that will actually make us more conscious of what's going on in the world and connected to our power to change it. Whenever someone interviews a person who is successful in the area of expertise and they are an expert in the world for that area of expertise, usually the conversation is around their life right now. And for everyone who is starting out, they have a feeling that how do you even get there? Because I try so hard for so many years and nothing working. So maybe you could unpack it a little bit for everyone who is listening right now, who is interested in building their professional brand, their personal brand. Most of our listeners are, of course, working for very large organizations and they're interested in building their careers and moving up to the top of the organization. And many of them are already very, very close to the top. but there are people who are interested in following a similar path to you where they are an expert in certain area and they go on their own and do their life's work and make the world better through their life's work. And they want to reach more people and not just be a noise where they do the work and no one really sees it. So maybe we can unpack it a little bit before we go into discussing your work. I love the question because it's just so practical. So I have two answers to that question. One of them, everyone's going to love. And the other one, I think as high achievers, we don't love. Let me give you the one you don't love first. Um, I actually practice, I, I call it just kind of a surrender process. And the surrender process is really believing that if I show up every day and I'm really aware of what's going on, I'm making connections and I'm taking action, overcoming my fears, that the success pieces and the contracts and all of those things will come if that's where you want to be and what you need to do. So we we really have to live our lives in the day and by the moment. And when we consistently do these things, I truly believe that it has miraculous results. Okay, so that's the thing that we don't have as much control over. What can we do? So I shared with you earlier that there's something called ground skills and sky skills. 
So ground skills are on a regular basis. If you want to improve your brand, if you want to get promoted, if you want to start your own business, there are some very specific core skills that you need to develop. Some of those skills may be mastering your craft, right? So if you're if you're in tech, you've got to be the master of tech. Those are your ground skills, the actual um, subject matter expert in your field. The sky skills are the things that make a difference. You can be running on the ground forever <laughs> with great technical skills. The sky skills are your capacity to connect, your capacity com to communicate, your capacity to take good care of yourself so you have energy and discipline and consistency. These are those skills that seem almost, they have, I consider it to be almost a magical effect on what's happening on the ground. So if you're ever at home saying, what's the difference? How come this person is doing this? And you know, I'm working so hard. You're probably so focused on mastering the ground, which is important that you're forgetting about the skills that help us get into the sky. In the sky, you wanna be like an eagle. You wanna be able to see all the connections between who you are and how who you are impacts every single thing that you do. So that is a great different alternative name for soft skills. Because that is what you're talking about, but because it takes you to a higher level, it makes sense to call it sky skills. Do you remember specific defining moments that maybe a few moments that allowed you to break out of your orbit? So you're in your orbit, you're in your orbit, and then you break out to the next level. Yeah. So quickly with the soft skills, I... It I'm hoping that we shift that because I think soft skills need to become more technical. A lot of people actually take it personally and they deprive themselves of the ability of, of really the power of mastering some of those skills that have been described previously as soft skills. But thinking about those defining moments for my orbit, um, I love failure. <laughs> I know that sounds awful and I don't want to have that much of it, but I really love it because on the other side, I have these amazing epiphanies and I end up in these places that I did not expect. So I was a single mom and I started my business and things were going okay, but we had, I think it was in 2009-ish where everything just dried up. I mean, we just ran out of money and clients were, were you know, canceling things. And I felt really stressed. I felt anxious. I felt stressed. I felt tired. And what I did was I <laughs> took everything out of my retirement, actually. I don't recommend this, but you can be inspired by it, by something that works for you. And I decided to focus very clearly and carefully on the current clients I had. And I said, I am going to do my absolute best work for the clients that I still have. And then the second part of this is I'm going to nourish myself and have a good time and get super, super happy. And I put my children in summer camp. I went to the movies every day. I had these like delicious meals. And on the other side of that, I created this business model of Kusai, of what you see on our website today, of how I was going to access some of these larger clients. But it wasn't until I took that space and took hold of the emotional anxiety that I cleared my brain to have access to that strategy. And so a defining moment for me are times when I feel down and the mastery is how do I thrive and how do I rise in those moments where I feel really depleted and tired and scared is really probably one of the biggest strategies because that time comes for a lot of us. And what you do in that moment separates, I think, from those that end up elevating to the sky or those that actually fall on the ground. <laughs> I love that you shared that story. Thank you so much. I feel we need to unpack it because it's so important and many people may miss what we're talking about here. So we are talking about how your state really impacts your ability to succeed, to significantly higher degree than many of us realize. So maybe you could unpack it and give people more of a sense of specifically what you have done so they could replicate it, especially for people who are currently listening and they're in a similar situation to where you were at that time. Yeah, so what's interesting, at the time, I didn't know that this was happening, but there is some science behind this, right? So we hear, for those of you that might be familiar, in emotional intelligence, a greater predictor of success, they talk about how when you're fearful and when you're stressed, your frontal cortex responsible for solving complex problems and values shuts down and your amygdala, your emotional center, hijacks your brain and you literally cannot think clearly. And so I think that people underestimate 
the power of their current state of being, how it's affecting their brain. And so for me, I use this as a hardcore business strategy. When I am stressed and depleted, I need to get my frontal cortex back online. This is a neurological thing, something that's a part of our the integrity of being a human being in order to clearly identify how to solve complex problems. And I think it's something that seems a little fluffy at times, Chris, but it's actually pretty critical to this ability to maintain a consistent level of energy and success. Psychology education does pay off in ways that some people don't even realize. Even understanding how your brain works and how you can alter your state so your brain can actually start functioning at its maximum capacity, at least somewhere closer to it, so that you can solve difficult problems. So maybe we can stay a little bit longer in that moment. So you decided to take care of yourself, serve your clients in the best possible way, but also take care of yourself. Do you remember what started happening with how you viewed the world? and how you viewed your business, and then what are some of the insights that came to you that allowed you to shift things? Yeah, so let me make this pretty strategic and practical. I gave myself a a, a time frame. So I said, this is the 30 days to ensuring that my brain (laughs) is going to be fit to deal with the crisis that I'm currently in. And so the first step was to reinforce, this is all actually psychology. I'm glad that you mentioned that. The first step was to reinforce success. So the reinforcement of success was to work on my current clients so that I can get the feeling that I'm doing something and doing something meaningful, right? Improving that. The second step was to not mull over the anxiety and the fearful thoughts of the future. And so what I did as a strategy to address that was I'm going to go to the movies, <laughs> which I love. You can pick something else. I went and sat by the lake with a journal, which I love. Um, and then I had these meals. And actually, I was very intentional about meals. I had it by myself and I went to fancy restaurants. Um I didn't I didn't break the budget, but I went to fancy restaurants and that was just to trigger a feeling of okayness and prosperity. So it was a very kind of well thought out strategy. And what was interesting is after about 10 days of this, of just a consistent intention to let go just a little bit and allow my brain to get back on track. I began a notebook where I started just writing down any creative idea that came to me about what I could do next, any wisdom that I could access. Um, And so from there, uh, at the end of my 30 days, it was time to take action on some of my plans. What were some of the key things that came up for you that you wrote down in that notebook and later executed? One of the key things that came came to me was that what is what is it that I want to do in this world? Where are my values? What's my talent? And so I actually did something um, which is a leadership purpose statement. And many of you might have heard of that, but it was, what is it that I really have to contribute to the world? So that was one thing that I wrote down. I also wrote down, what are the current resources that I have, Right. Um, I also play this game. I love this game. this is this is a game changer, Chris. And it's called the identity game. And if you were feeling really blocked and your brain is just kind of thinking more fearful, because this was hard for me to do, because remember, I'm in crisis here, right? This is hard for me to write these things down and come up with new ideas. I was tired and in crisis. So I I came up with this game where I would ask very successful people uh, or find a muse. Like, I don't know, you could use Oprah Winfrey. You could use uh, someone that's on a television show. And ask yourself this question, if they hopped into my body right now, kind of like the Freaky Friday movie, and they had to navigate me through this particular challenge, what would they do? And so I actually played that game and it was so much fun and started to think about what people would do. So I used Oprah as a person. I said, what would what would she do right now? One option that many people told me is that I should just get a job. And I decided Oprah said that's not what I would do. Um, So actually what Oprah told me to do inside of this game was to make a list of all of my connections and start connecting with people. Don't stay in your restaurants alone. 
you know, invite someone and literally start connecting, start asking questions and, and really try to be of service to the world and to other people. And that was a huge game changer as I started to kind of think about all of the amazing people I knew that could support me. So what happened next? So you started connecting with people. What are some of the connections that blossomed into something great? Well, one connection I actually had, there was a professor at a university and having lunch with him, he asked me about applying to a Harvard fellowship. I didn't even have that on my radar. So that happened. Um, and then I actually was walking, um, I was walking in my neighborhood and I came across a gentleman who was walking his golden retriever and he also was driving a really fancy car. <laughs> I can't remember. I think it was a Bentley or Ferrari, but I literally just stopped him, complimented his dog. And I said, tell me, you know, what are some of your secrets to success? I, I literally acted like I was interviewing him on a podcast, Chris, like you're, you're doing now. And he told me about um, government contracting. And he told me about his entire journey of how he succeeded. And so I said, oh, let me look into that. And so from that action, I actually made myself available to be able to market to the federal government, which was a huge game changer for us and for Kusai. Uh, but that came from a walk <laughs> on a day, complimenting a puppy, my favorite dog, Golden Retriever, and then asking those kinds of questions. And so that's what the Oprah game, identity game, led me to. Such a great story. So government contacts, what were your next steps? Because many people, they will hear this idea and they will start looking online and it all looks very confusing and they just give up. Yes. So I think the first thing is I already had a lot of intel. I was sorry. I already had kind of built a little bit of a business. And this really came from me doing keynotes from my first position and those keynotes became very popular. So I was invited to multiple organizations and we grew. So I started just hiring other people and then growing our services. So that's kind of that journey. So during this crisis moment, um, the government contracting was great because the challenge that I discovered was that I had a business model challenge. So when you start a business, it's not necessarily the amount of money that you make, but it's the cash flow. Right. So the way that I set up my business at the time, it was one offs. So I would just do a talk. You would get paid. But if you got you know, if you did a talk, I could get paid a ton of money. Right. But if you only did that one talk for the entire year, it is not good for you. So the business model needed to be long term relationships with multi year contracts that we can provide and serve organizations over a long period of time. And so in our particular case, I ended up investigating how to, what those business models are, how to access them. And yes, I did reach out to other business colleagues that have different business models. And I did a listening tour of business models so that I can begin to decide which one worked for me. Now, what's really interesting is I didn't decide which one worked for me. I tested it. Right. So a big part of business that I think is hard for us to make peace with is I really jump into action. And so we have to just try things. You have to look it up. It is going to be confusing. You have to have the emotional intelligence to stick with through the complexity and say, I don't know how to do this yet, but I just need to stick in here and ask the right questions and find the right people to guide me to the solutions. So with specific example of government contracts, what were the first few steps you took that took you to the first contract? So with government contracts, the first thing is we we actually, I had many government contracts before this, but we actually got a certification, a couple of certifications that are available to people, which is great to make us more competitive. Um, there is There was a website called sam.gov at the time. Now it's called something else. It's changed multiple times. Uh, but you go to this website, you go to a government website, and they have a ton of resources. How do you do business with the government? And so I just started attending some of those sessions to see how you do business with the government. Um, and then they have opportunities for you to apply to contracts. It's very interesting. I would love to, government is pretty complex. And so I would love to give people, there's so many elements to it. I want to give us some specific things that we can do. Fortunately and unfortunately, no matter what industry you're in, it's really still about relationships. And so another specific thing that I did, and I'm bold, right? So I went on LinkedIn. 
I identified like who buyers were and I just sent a message asking, uh, would you be willing to have five minutes for me to give you a capability statement of what we're about? And so I did that. It was it was a mass effort and talked to a lot of different people. And from there, I learned a lot. One other very quick thing with government contracts, after we got the certification and we found this system, um, so you can go to federalbizfbo.gov if you're in the, the U.S., but I found this system. They have all of these opportunities. It's overwhelming. It's it's insane. I actually did hire someone to help us respond to all of these requirements. And I did this. This was a very sad time. I probably put out 150 proposals and it was nothing like I didn't get anything back. And I thought, oh, gosh, what a waste of time. I wasted money. I have failed again. But on the other side of that, I was a guru. <laughs> and what not to do. And so um, I did learn that sometimes when we're doing, you have to be willing to go for the long haul because I definitely learned a lot about what to do and what not to do when actually doing proposals and government contracts. Would you share some of the things that people should do and not to do? So if you are interested in doing work with the federal government, um, I, I will say that my first recommendation would be simply to enter some kind of session or find someone in the federal government. You have to kind of get one contract or even find someone that's doing work with the federal government and try to get work with them. Um, that's one thing. The second thing is um, it's really difficult to win work alone. And so the key, if you're just starting out, are partnerships. And the partnerships are easy because you can look up people. It's it's actually public information who have government contracts and you literally can market your services to them. And, and when you're under the wings of someone that's already connected within the government, you could begin to kind of strategize your, your experience. Um, some things not to do, I wouldn't just put a bunch of money into responding to requirements for the federal government. I, I would kind of wait and really see, do you have the right partnership? Do you have the right skills? And do you understand how the whole buying system works with that particular market? Thank you. No one expected that we will be talking about this topic today, but you never know. Exactly, exactly. So let's now start shifting to talking about your work. I know you're very passionate about it and there's a lot to unpack. So let's start with your framework. You have a framework that you teach, which is listen, observe, value, engage. Let's unpack the components and why those components. So the key to this framework is it is a system of habits that we want to use on a regular basis. And each of these habits is connected to a core leadership skill that supports us in our ability to achieve our goals, success, and to feel more aware of what's going on in the world and connected to our power to change it. So just really quickly, the love system, listen, is really the main skill of emotional intelligence that I shared earlier. Your capacity to listen strategically, your capacity to even listen to the voices in your own head, right? And to be strategic about that are critical. It's also attached, each skill is also attached, or each habit, you can call it, is attached to something about your life. So listening is about emotional intelligence from a leadership perspective. And it's also about mental health. Because the more that we are stuck in our heads, the more that we are isolated, the less well we are. So one of the things that I did when I was practicing psychology to help people was to get them out of their heads and really kind of taking in information and processing so you're not mulling over your challenges and your problems. So that's L. O is observation. This particular habit is the thing that's going to make you the smartest person in the room all the time. <laughs> And I know they say you don't want to be the smartest person in the room, but if you master this particular skill, it will happen more often than maybe you even want to. You're going to want other people to be in your presence that know this skill. So observation is connected to systems thinking. Systems thinking, that leadership skill is this capacity to 
understand how things are connected. So something as simple as you you might be in an environment, this is for government, if we were going down that road again, there are certain words that people use that they love. And then there are certain words that are completely like you don't you don't use those words, right? So they're, they're, you just don't know what the impact is, but observing these little nuances make a huge difference. You become like the Sherlock Holmes in your industry. And so that's observation. Um, observation definitely improves your capacity to be alive in the world, because if we're not present and observing what's happening around us, we actually are not really truly living and enjoying everything in our lives. Then there's values. So value is actually this idea of aligning with your values. So I ask people if something is important to you, my question to you would be, what is your evidence that's important to you? Right? (laughs) So every day it's, I value family. And so what did you do today that it reflected that value? If you value respect, what did you do today that reflected that value? So values is actually connected to a skill called cultural competence, leadership skill, which is your ability to be around different people and to adapt your values to function better in with different people, different experiences. Um, that will be a game changer for anything in life and in work. And then lastly, so this is a system. So you've got listening, which is your portal to wisdom. You're feeling well, you're mentally well, right? Observation, you're this like rock star thinker. You're just looking at, uh, you're looking at connections. You're aligned with values. So you're not fake. You're really doing what you say you want to do and your behavior reflects that. So now with that data and those practices, you're ready to go out and to engage. And you allow the LOV to kind of drive how you communicate, who you communicate with, and just your whole way that you want to engage with clients and engage in the world. So that's the love system. How did you select those elements? I'm so glad you asked me this question because I've actually not been asked this question and I really want to answer it. (laughs) I answer it a little bit in the book. Um, So I am, it may not seem like it all the time, but I am really an academic. I read hundreds of books. I read so many books um, and I really love to dig into leadership strategy. So I'm always looking for a hack (laughs) and a simple way to put things together. I actually realized this a while back with dieting that at the end of the day, no matter how things change, it's going to be protein, veggies, and fats, and like some kind of complex carbs. And you can find a million different ways, but it it boils down to that's what you got to put in your body on a regular basis if you're going to succeed. And so, um, but we have found a way to have, you know, a multi-billion dollar industry of complication, but at the end of the day. So the love system is that there are 10,000 hours of leadership development. There's self-help books. You can read through all of them. There's different stories. They're all amazing, but it's going to boil down to these four core things that you want to master. Listening, the skills around observation, aligning with values, and some level of engagement. And so I really unpack those in the book to give you something to chew on because it's not as simple as it seems, but those four things, it'll be some combination of those things in any book you read. It's also, if you look at big leaders of the past that have done world-changing things from, I don't know, Nelson Mandela to um, to Gandhi, Mother Teresa, they all also practice that those particular habits. So I scoured <laughs> everything, and this is what I've discovered as the main point. Dale, and in working with clients, which of those four is the hardest for people to master on average? That's a great question as well. Um, I think that the engagement is hard to master. So in the engage, in the E of love, communication, I give a communication cheat sheet. And one thing about communication that's difficult for people is that we often think communication is a function of our personality or that it's something personal. And I'd love for people to look at communication as a technical skill to be able to connect and communicate or push really important values. And so there are some very specific things that go beyond personality or introversion or extroversion that we can do to communicate more clearly. And so the engagement piece is difficult. The other element of it besides the skills is just, I think with any technique, it's really nice to stay in a 
you know, I'm listening, I'm observing, it's very me and it's very contemplative. When it comes to taking action, this is where a lot of people won't actually go out and utilize that knowledge or remember to use that knowledge to drive their choices. Do you think that it's possible that one of the reasons it's difficult for people to master engagement is because they're not quite understand what it means? Because listening, observing, and values are easier to understand. They are more clear in people's minds. You know, I think that people understand, but I think that when, when I say understand, it's really engagement is you're, you and I are engaging right now, right? So we're connecting with each other. But this, this particular podcast is actually something that is structured, that allows us to engage with each other and you have very clear questions and we're talking about something that's useful for people. So the concept is that we want to create that level of engagement uh, in our worlds. Does it always have to be a training or a podcast? Can we take that level of even preparation and communication to other kinds of interactions and things that we do in the world. Um, but just like if your business is a podcast, there's so many people that they don't take that step to actually do it, right? Um, I think it requires work sometimes. People say things that offend us at times. I think we're in a world right now where isolation and loneliness is like a go-to in a sense. And so I think for many of us, if it's not comfortable for you, it's that area where you really have to push. One thing that I would just have everyone be careful about, sometimes we use the excuse of not understanding as a uh, as, as a way to delay actually taking action, right? Oh, I don't understand that. So I'm going to wait until I'm clear and then I'll do it. It's like, no, I, I think you might be able to take that first step. Very true. Tali, so how do you help your clients become better at engagement? So once again, the system works all together. So you don't want to engage without listening, observing, and aligning with values because then you're just doing what you're doing now. Everybody's engaging. It's the hardest to understand because you have to take what you got in the beginning to engage, but everyone's doing it. They're just not necessarily doing it well. So for most of my clients, they are engaging too much without enough conscious awareness of why and how they need to be engaging. So we typically go back and we have a whole system. So they may have um, culture climate surveys. We may do listening tours. Um, there's an opportunity to sit and really hear what's going on in the organization from the people. Then we observe results, right? So people say things, but you can listen to it. But is what they're saying, do we have some data to back that up? So, you know, is there a connection between retention and morale? Is there a connection between outcomes and I don't know, cha a change in leadership. So there are all these different observations that we have to make. And then we go into what things are we doing right now in our organization that is aligned with our values? What things are not aligned with our values? And then how? What, what is our plan to address that? So when it comes to engaging, you're going to have this beautiful experience of planning. I just did that with the love system of saying, based on what we've listened to, based on what we've observed, based on an alignment with our values, these are our top key priorities of what we want to focus on for the next three months. You can do it with your life too. Based on my listening to my mind, observing my behavior, aligning with my values, this is the idea that I'm going to invest my time and energy in. And now I'm ready to engage because I feel super clear. And then how would you define engagement? Just to make sure there's clarity. So in the simplest terms of engagement is really act, taking action, but you can also say communicating, right? Um, we don't live in this world alone. And so whatever you're listening to, whatever you're observing and your values, you have to actually organize that in such a way to communicate, right? So it looks like a leader standing up in front of their organization and saying something like, I heard you that in this organization, you want clear ideas and you want leadership that's going to be supportive and understanding. We've observed that when we invest in leadership training, we have better outcomes. We're going to do these things because it's aligned with our values. So I'm engaging, but I'm doing it in a way that has a communication strategy based on listening, observations, and the alignment with values. So it's kind of a cheat sheet as well. If you're a leader and you want to do a quick speech, what do you what do you hear? What are you hearing from people? What are you observing about the real outcomes? What are your values? Turn that into your speech and then execute it. 
That's the engagement. So you can you can call it your communication strategy when you're with people, anything that's actively connecting with others or actively communicating and engaging with others. So in a way, engagement, it has components of listening and observing as well within it. But it is separate because it's very important to be engaged in a conversation with someone and to establish that genuine connection. Yeah. So when we talk about a communication strategy, depending on the process, right, I I kind of took it into a strategic space, but depending on the process, your engagement strategy may be to be quiet, right? Um, And just listen, because based on what you are observing and based on what you're listening to, like maybe someone's telling you a story that's really heartfelt and they need to get it out and you're observing that they're really sad and they really need a listening ear and you value being there for your friend or being there for a coworker. And so your engagement strategy might be, you're gonna hold their hand and you're gonna shake your head and you're just going to be by their side and listen. Um, I have to do this, Chris, with my children because I want to fix everything for them and I want to guide them to, I don't know, all of these other conclusions. And I have to actually be very deliberate about how I engage with them because I'm like, this is what I want to do, but is it what is needed right now? And I've observed some very different outcomes about our relationship with my relationship with my children when I discipline myself a bit, not to just do what I think I want to do or say what I want to say in the moment. I have a deliberate strategy for how I'm going to engage with them. Um, when they're dealing with something and they're coming to me for support. They are lucky to have a mom (laughs) that thinks deeply about these kind of things. Talia, so earlier you mentioned something very important that I want to highlight for everyone because I want to make sure we don't just pass it over because I think it is such an important thing that you said. You said that you have a practice of surrendering. How did you realize that that was important and how do you make sure that you don't forget to do it? Oh, that's such a good question. So I am a recovering perfectionist. And I also, you know, when you read books and do things, and when you achieve a certain level of success, you also feel like you can control so much. The problem with all of that is that sometimes you win, sometimes you don't, but the outcome is that you can be tired and depleted and not very happy. Um, So the surrendering is a daily practice that I have, which I I look at it like this. And let me just unpack surrendering for just a moment. I look at it opening myself up for unlimited possibilities. So I am humble about how limited my thinking is. And so my best thinking can only come up with but so many solutions. So surrendering is kind of humbling yourself a bit, knowing that I don't have all the answers. I'm not the smartest person in the world. I might have some wisdom, but let me open myself up to unexpected ideas and unexpected possibilities. And what that means is that I'm going to show up and be ready for for things to change, be open for things to change. I'll listen to people that maybe... I don't know, maybe they have a background that I don't think is aligned with my background, but you never know where you get your great piece of wisdom. Um, I've been inspired and uplifted by the most unexpected people. Uh, So for me, the surrendering is just being open. And so the way that I remember that is with the love system every day, I have an intention. So I actually say, how am I, how's my listening today? Am I open to listening to different people? Did I kind of jump and have to talk? I'm, I I fail many days, but every day you get a new slate in the love system. And I'm observing kind of how much I'm controlling things, how much I'm kind of maybe focusing on these petty details that don't matter. Uh, and then I think about, okay, what's all this for, Talia? What, what, is, what are my values? Where am I going here? And then is my engagement strategy aligned with that wisdom for today? And then you get a new slate the next day. Um, And so that system itself reminds me of the surrender because I am alive and awake and open for possibilities and new ideas. Are there situations where you feel that you're shifting away from it? And do you have some process that you use to put yourself back in the right state of mind? 
Yes, it's interesting. I, I call it, you know, getting my bounce back. <laughs> um, I like to master the the bounce back. So there are many situations that trigger where my brain will just get really squirrely. I mean, some of those are um, if I feel like I have some values that when they are triggered, I get upset. So, for example, I have this thing where I like people to be honest and do really good work. And so I encounter some people where it's so clear to me that sometimes they're not putting in their best effort or there's this new thing that that's going on where because we're virtual, people are kind of making excuses. They they'll tell you they sort of did the work, but you're it's kind of clear that they did not show up. And so I really love to see people showing up for their A game. But often I see sometimes B and C games and it really triggers me. Um, Sometimes I I feel like I might violate my values because I might get a little short with them. I start getting really obsessed about trying to get them back on board. And when I start to do that, I start having anxiety. I start kind of thinking it over and over in my mind. Why didn't they do that? Why didn't they show up at this time? How dare they? That kind of thinking. That is my red flag. I'm off the mark if I am starting to obsess over these things. So when I notice it, you have to notice it. You have to kind of be present enough to notice it. I'm lucky because I'm in this this kind of work. (laughs) So it's hard not to notice it. But if you can just get a hold of it and you can notice it, I bring myself back and I say, okay, I, I listen to what's happening in my brain. I start to observe my behavior and how it's making things worse, right? Is what I said to them motivating them to do better? And I observe the power of choice. So for example, I'm in the hiring space. I have the the power to keep them or not. What's my decision, right? And so am I in limbo about a decision about what's best, right? And then what what do I, I value development. And I'm totally, I'm being passive aggressive in this scenario. I'm not developing people. So I'm out of alignment. And so using the L-O-V-E, I kind of bring myself back to the main things. I think what's critical to say is this bounce back thing is kind of a daily routine that you do a little check in and you just gently ease yourself back so that you are um, on track and focus on the things that matter most. So we've got to take a brief sponsor break. When we come back, we will ask Talia my favorite question, which is of the last few years, what were two, three aha moments, realizations that really changed the way you look either at life or the way you look at your business. So some really important moments that changed the way you look at things. So about 13 years ago or so, a little longer than that, we turned the world of business strategy and problem-solving education on its head by building out the largest and most powerful business strategy and problem-solving video and audio training library in the world, strategytraining.com and strategy training apps. We are the only place in the world where you can learn strategy and problem solving without ever having to work for a major consulting firm. You may be surprised to know that most of our members are actually not in consulting and have interest to stay within the current organizations. They're not preparing for consulting interviews. They're actually very senior people within the current organizations, but they understand how powerful the skills are that we are teaching. And what we specialize in is teaching you how to develop solutions for your unique problems instead of teaching you frameworks that you can memorize and then just apply everywhere because you can buy a book and apply frameworks, but that's not how the world works. So our insight and legacy members, which are two membership levels on strategytraining.com that give access to some of our advanced video and audio programs can see step-by-step consulting engagements in detail. You're not going to see anything like that anywhere else in the world. It's over 200 episodes per study and you really go in depth every task, every meeting, deliverables and so on. And by working through those step-by-step studies, you can learn a lot more than consultants learn during a typical engagement. So check it out at strategytraining.com. Legacy or Insider Membership gives access to some of our advanced video and audio training programs. Legacy members also get additional advanced training. Plus, two times a month, Michael and I, we do a live call and we have a situation where every Legacy member gets input from us. 
So we make sure that every person gets input. And we also actually have something else. Many of our insiders and legacy members really enjoy reading. So what we created is the largest reading strategy and problem solving library in the world as well. It is called the strategy control room. So those two memberships, in my view, are some of the most powerful resources that you can use for your career that can really help you progress much faster. So now let's get back to our main event. We got Talia Fox with us today. We're having an incredible conversation. So going back to my favorite question, Talia, over the last few years, what were two, three aha moments, realizations that really changed the way you look at life or the way you look at your business? So I will start with a strategic one, and that is I can have the best ideas, I can have the best thoughts, but the, there's something that my mother says, and it, it's called the proof is in the pudding. And what that basically means is that you have to test it and see what the results are before you make an opinion. And so I really do believe in testing and getting things, you know, trying out new strategies, trying things. If you stay in the frameworks and you never actually take action, you just don't know how it's going to impact or change anything. So to, to try things is is really important. The second aha moment that I think I've been emphasizing a lot is this idea that I really do, for me, I need um, to manage my time effectively and have a lot of peace and space for thinking. So I need to plan time to think strategically as a very important piece that if you allow the world and your schedule to have its way with you, um, it will continue to push you in directions that you don't intend to go. So that's the second one. And then the third one, my biggest epiphany and my absolute favorite one is that life is actually supposed to be fun. And so I have been sending a message to my family. I send it to my team. I said, what are you going to do today to demand bliss? And so that is, I am committed to feeling good. You know, I did a very morbid exercise where you said from now until the time you might leave this earth, like, what will you be most proud of? And it's, you know what, a lot of this stuff, I don't know where it's going to go, but I'm going to have a good time and be really good to people. And, and that is going to be a worthy goal for me. Um, not just business strategy, not just money and all that other stuff, but bliss as a goal. Talia, I'm so glad that you mentioned this last one. We have very unusual audience community because we are all incredibly driven. Many of us went much further than anyone ever expected us to go, but we are not good at rest, relaxation. What are some of the things that you discovered for yourself that are a great way to start getting more happiness into your life when you are that hardworking, very driven person? So as probably a lot of type A, hardworking, very driven people do, I schedule it. <laughs> I have a very structured weekly schedule. And in that schedule, I have a massage that's always on the schedule. Every three months, I have at least a three to, to five day, some kind of vacation or retreat in which I take some time to think. Um, I literally look at my schedule every single week and I ask, where have I planned some fun? And I plug it into the schedule. And if there is no time, I move things around. And so I actually treat um, just my state of being and my happiness as a business objective. And what's interesting, the reason I do this, I don't do this because I want to, Chris, because my tendency is to, to run myself into the ground and work all the time. I actually tested it. I see amazing things happen when I invest some time and peace and relaxation. The ideas that come um, are pretty big. I actually just got back from the Swiss Alps. I went with this beautiful mastermind group and we were just talking, walking through the mountains. And, you know, I got the best strategy in this new idea, this new tech play that I'm very excited about for our organization, as well as a whole idea on how to structure. I do bonus structures for my leadership team. I mean, it was just kind of just listening. I, you know, I had a nice water, Swiss Alps. It was for fun. But some of my best ideas and best thoughts come from these unexpected. Thank you so much, Talia. I really appreciate you've been here with us today. What would you like people to do on Monday morning at 8 a.m. to implement what you shared with them today? 
to start implementing? And then also where can people learn more about you by your book and so on? Anything to share? Fabulous. So Monday morning, 8 a.m. I like to call that the latte factor, coffee in hand. How do you translate this into some actions? Um, so I would say in terms of the love system, what you do Monday morning at 8 a.m. is I would literally put on a timer and take 15 minutes to simply think and give yourself a question to think about. And the question would be, what is it that I'm really trying to accomplish here and why? And you can write it out if that's your process or you can just think about it. Get some tea or some coffee and actually, you know, take 50, a full 15 minutes. After you are done with that 15 minutes, ask yourself the question, what can I take action on that from the wisdom that I just gained? So make it really practical. So for example, if from there you decided that you really want to launch and you really want to launch a new project within your organization, you may literally just send a message to someone that you think would be interested and say, do you have five minutes? I'd love to run a thought that I've been thinking about by you and keep the time for five or 10 minutes and see where that takes you. And after that, schedule a next step. So again, it's this practice of listening kind of just observing and being quiet, but then immediately getting in there and taking some action without the need to move forward right away. But you're going to start to kind of tickle it a little bit, if you will, in, in order to make a difference. So 8 a.m. coffee, thinking for 15 minutes at nine o'clock, a schedule of five to 10 minutes with a colleague that may be able to support some idea that you came up with in your minutes. Thank you, Talia. Thank you very much. And where can everyone learn more about you? get your book and so on. Fabulous. So um, the name of the book is The Power of Conscious Connection, Four Habits to Transform How You Live and Lead. You can get that book on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. It's actually not out until November 28th. So it's a little while there. You also can follow me on LinkedIn, Talia Fox, and also at Talia Fox Speaks. Um, on Instagram. A main resource though is kusaitraining.com if you're interested in bringing uh, any level of leadership development or strategy work to your organization, kusaitraining.com is a place that you can send me a message or you also can get some more resources. Thank you, Talia. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much for sharing so many great tips and uh, being so genuine in sharing your experiences and even insights that you developed. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Chris. I think you're amazing. So practical and really drilling down on some things that people can use. What a gift to the world. Thank you so much. And for everyone tuning in, thank you for being with us. Our guest today, again, has been Talia Fox. Check out Talia's book. It is called The Power of Conscious Connection. And I look forward to connect with you next time. And that's it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed doing the episode. Finally, I want you to remember that the only way to get access to our special offers, the only way to get our special pricing, and the only way to get samples of our content is to join the list on firmsconsulting.com. It's the only way also to get access to our unique advanced content that we make available to insiders. So if you want to get a sneak peek of things, test it out, see what's in there, this is the place to go. And finally, I want to thank you again for making us one of the largest podcast channels around the world for careers and for the 2 million downloads and counting.